0: Lucy Peach is a folk singing, writing period preacher who lives every day backwards from her imagined life as a happy old lady. Hello, I'm Claire Tonty. This is my podcast, Just Make The Thing, a show for people who want to start a thing and keep on making it. I had the joy of talking to Lucy at her home in Perth. And we nestled up in her loft to talk about life, about womanhood, about the power of periods, about her life story and what it means to be a woman living now, about our power, about our fragility, and really about the power of periods and how um, we should be talking more about them. There is a bit of rage talk as well. If you are someone who is a woman or knows a woman or lives with a woman or is the parent of a woman This episode is absolutely for you. Here she is, Lucy Peach.
2: How did you start on that whole train of fertility
0: Mm. stuff that you're on now?
2: And nice that you call it fertility, or just interesting, because I'm just like, consider that I'm obsessed with periods. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, like everything, it was sort of a culmination of the time in my life and, you know, the life stage and all of that kind of thing because I was 27 and I was really, you know, looking for a challenge and I got this job as a sexual health educator. And I'm just so, I I think, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, how just grateful I am. I don't know if I believe in fate or destiny or anything like that, but just I'm so glad I had that job at that time because I was privileged to be in a position where I was paid to learn all of these things, you know, to just to be working down the hall from the largest sexual health library in the Southern Hemisphere. And, you know, if I didn't have something I needed to do that moment, I could just go into the library and just randomly pick out a book. (laughs) And it was mental. There were so many things that you just didn't know you didn't know. You know, I remember reading this book in my first week and it was called C word, a Declaration of Independence. <laughs> wow, um, which is a fantastic book. Everyone should read it. It is just incredible in terms of what's the study of words called again? E- is it like etymology? Etymology. etymology? Yeah, it's I very closely to it, yeah. linked to that word. That's the study of worms. It's not that, but no, <laughs> yeah, etymology. So it talks about you know just the language around you know women's body parts and where they come from and what they mean and the the weight and you know, all the connotations and how they are so powerful for so many different reasons to different people and, you know, all these things that you just don't really consider in your normal life. No, well, you don't get taught. You don't right? get taught, you that's right, unless taught. you go and study gender studies or women's studies or yeah, whatever. Everyone, you know, you've probably had a similar experience where you get a bit of a cobbled education, you mm. know, meeting people and reading things and being exposed to things on the internet. But yeah, to be at that time, immersed in that culture of um, sex positivity, of just openness. And, you know, I had a two and a half year old. And so I really was so informed to just, just really be open and curious. And, and so the way that I parented him and the way that I, you know, conducted myself in relationships was really informed by just that, that education and so it was yeah, just a really a really amazing thing. And then I read this book called The Optimized Woman, which is sort of what started me on this whole menstrual
0: power mission. mission. Yeah. So was there a time in your life where you like so did you what kind of house did you grow up in? Did you not know much about sort of women's cycles or hormones or sexuality in that way? So
2: I was born in nineteen eighty. I grew up in a pretty suburban part of Perth. And my parents were in a sort of, um, I guess you call it Pentecostal church. So it was very straight, it was very protected, very sheltered, very, you know, I only played with people if their parents were Christians, like really quite sheltered. So there wasn't, I guess, a lot of openness around sexuality, but something that really flavoured my childhood, I guess, was my mum just being really uh, open about bodies. So she called it um, a vulva, you know, instead of a vagina. Yeah. And I don't actually know why she knew to do that, but nobody else, everyone was like, no, Lucy, it's a vagina. We don't know what (laughs) a vulva is. You know, my friends and other kids. (laughs) Yeah. And just, you know, like I kind of I look back on the way my mum was and she never said things like, oh, well, your nose is this or your legs are that or you're this or you're that. She never labelled us She and we weren't really, yeah, cultured to sort of do that to each other. We were just really quite left to just be how we were and I think that sort of sense of self really came from that. Yeah. yeah. So that's sort of what you were it
0: asking. Does, yeah, because I'm just so fascinated by how people – End up in the jobs they do, and I often think childhood is so visceral and and so up close to then who we become. You know, when you're a kid, you've got so much less pretentiousness mm. and mm. walls built up. Mm. So, do you have a did you have a really vivid imagination as a kid?
2: Yes, I, I mean, I I think I always had a real sense of um wanting to share what I knew. You know, like at, in school when you had news, even if it wasn't my turn, I I, w- I would just feel like oh. my this thing, and I and it wasn't like I don't know. I mean, I probably am an attention seeker, and I like you know, I'm a performer, so there's a bit of that, but it wasn't like I wanted to be the center of attention. It was just that I genuinely felt that everyone would be better off if they knew this thing that I knew, and I, and if I didn't tell them, I would just burn in my seat. You know, they're giving you know? their hand up like, the back, be <laughs> like, it's hotel. Yes,
0: that's my time,
2: yeah, it's my time, and so yeah, I think I always, you know, I remember. My sister and I, we used to have a bath together and we used to play this game where we'd pretend to be newsreaders, you know, and we'd, and we'd, you know, interview each other in the bath and we'd put on our newsreader voice and about the things we'd discovered and, yeah, I guess I was always, I enjoyed that, you know, yeah. so it's not really that bigger leap from what I'm doing no, now. No, that doesn't sound very like, similar. And in the bath, that is, you know, that's like, you know, the shower, the bath. Yeah, your vault you is right ideas, there. You know? Know? <laughs> it's, it's, all, <laughs> it's all part of it. Tied a bow on itself. Yeah, yeah definitely.
0: <clears throat> did you find a point, because I grew up in a very Christian, Catholic mm. household as well, did you kind of have a point where you saw outside of
2: what, you had grown up in or distanced yourself from that it was a radical moment, actually, because, like I said, when you know we went to church, I went to the school that was affiliated with the church, you know, I really believed that God knew everything that I did, everything that I thought and i guess there was probably maybe not as much of the guilt and shame as I, as the catholic thing but it's a whole thing it's a whole thing yeah yeah but also i mean the good side was i i really understood gratitude and and feeling protected and guided if you like and so those are things that i've held on to in a pretty non godlike way but those are the things that i've you know really wanted to keep and foster in being a mother and having a family myself. But, and you know, I look back and I think that when you look at the sort of born-again movement in the 80s mostly, you know, you think, well, it was largely people like my parents who'd probably just gone a bit too wild in the 70s and then been like, right, that's it, we're going to get really straight. (laughs) We're going to just rain it all back in. Rain it all back in and do a complete 180. And so with the same fervour that they were out doing the other things, they then applied that to you know, charismatic religion and so it was just a whole thing that, you know, had its course. And so when I was about ten, my mum and my stepdad separated and at that time we left the church that we were at, which was, you know, there was it wasn't too crazy, but there was speaking in tongues and laying of hands and That's pretty crazy. Well not crazy, but just Yeah. I mean it wasn't the crazy end of the crazy, but it was yeah, certainly like I remember when my mum I was eight and my mum had my little brother and she got pneumonia and she was just really unwell and she had three kids and, you know, she just had a baby. and It's a full-on time. It's a full-on time. Mm. And I remember she was being prayed for by the elders at the church and they were doing the laying of hands and there was some sort of conversation around, you know, well, this is – not necessarily a punishment, but it's this is because of something that's happened or something that you've done. And I remember at eight just thinking, yeah, just back up. That is my mum you're talking (laughs) about and I'm pretty sure she's sick and, you know, she just needs some medicine and get your hands off her, you know. So, And then when I was 10 and we left the church, it was like, I don't know, I remember my mum bought a stereo. She bought that Tracy Chapman album you know, she's got her ticket and I, I think yeah. she's going to use it Think <laughs> yeah. she's going to fly away. <laughs> she bought red lipstick and I just remember thinking, oh my God, my mum has just gone wild. Like, who is this woman? <laughs> but then, you know, as the year sort of went on, I realised actually that's who she'd been all the time, that she'd been quite sort of repressed. repressed. holding it, Holding it back. Yeah, that's right. And to see her sort of go through that unveiling you know when I was on the precipice of you know entering into I guess early womanhood I think was was good you know because I Mm -hmm. saw that you can you can be this and you can do that and think that and have that kind of life or you can just say actually no sorry that I've had enough of that now and I'm just gonna try this on so yeah do my own thing sing Mm. Tracy Chapman Mm. with red lipstick with red lipstick yeah I was just like
0: wow that's so interesting because it's sort of that whole idea of becoming a woman at the same time as watching your mum reclaim mm. her spirit and mm. heart, I guess, mm. in a way. It must be hugely powerful to see. Do you think that a part of it too was rage for you or for her? Rage. Rage against or a different... I guess I say rage because I've had a lot of rage recently.
2: Okay. Just because about. What, what, day, what day are you on? Just just <laughs> by the right. I meant to ask you that at the start.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, I would be on day like 11. Okay, so cool. I'm not- me too. Oh, really? Yeah. Ah, sicked up. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm in that like antsy, ang- like yeah, just got like- so many bloody things to do. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm like. So yeah, probably hence a bit of the rage. Yeah. Mm. Um, I, I guess I say rage because I just at the moment feel like there's this huge feminine energy coming back. I grew up in a really Catholic household where sex was not about mm. anything other than procreation and marriage and marriage yeah. and so very deeply held beliefs about it. And my parents had were sex educators themselves. No. Yep. Wow. Very and and also my mum is a Billings Method teacher, so okay. she's very into fertility, very Amazing. aware of that, but as a woman and having sexuality is something that Mm. is like so viscerally part of your self-expression as Mm. well was not a narrative that was ever I ever grew up with. Mm. And I sometimes think that women are still kind of meant to fit into certain boxes.
2: As you're saying this, I'm like, I'm gripping onto the microphone. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) I've just been talking about rage as well because I feel like, you know, just to circle back a little bit with this show, when I wrote it, I sort of, I touched on how, you know, we're essentially living in a man's world still. That's why we're so addicted to being linear and things have to be the same every day. Otherwise, you know, ooh, it's crazy and out of control. Yeah, exactly. But I didn't really go into it too much because I primarily just felt like, frig, I've got an hour. I don't have time to get into that. If I start peeling back the lid on that little bit of, (laughs) <laughs> yeah i'm gonna be here all night and no one's gonna get the good stuff and really i just want people to know they can use their cycle it's it's meant to be something that you can feel connected to to use as a bit of a compass mm. the way that it ebbs and flows and the hormonal changes and the phases and i can get to that in a minute but now i just feel like you know i've been doing this show for three years it's my greatest period ever. my greatest period ever yeah. and you know, I, the more that I do it and the more people that I speak to and the more sort of menstrual heavyweights that I speak to all over the world, you know, just the most incredible people, the madder I get, because I just feel like, you know, the inequality that so many women face in terms of, you know, their access to information and just expression and autonomy over their bodies, it's Mm. still so maddening. And I've come to realise that, you know... This isn't going to be fixed in my lifetime, Mm. which is a really full on thing to think and say out loud. And so it's made me, I guess, emboldened because I just think if I sit here in my little gubby hole, you know, waiting until I get everything perfect before I say something or do something or get it right, then we just don't have time for that anymore. And, you know, rage is a really interesting emotion because obviously, you know, if you if you don't find a way to channel that, it can burn you up. Yeah, it's really self-destructive.
0: Mm. It's like Liz Gilbert talks about your brain can be like a Labrador mm. and if you don't walk it and feed it and exercise yeah. it, you know, all those things, it can just piss on your carpet and chop your furniture. And, yeah. and your, my mind, I think, or anyone's mind is like that, if you let rage yeah. just go without putting it somewhere.
2: yeah.
0: Do you have somewhere or an idea of where you want to channel that rage? So
2: glad that you've asked me that because I – so the applications um, to submit, you know, a fringe show in Perth are about to close. In fact, they probably have officially closed. I'll work around that. And, you know, I was really like, oh, God, am I going to do this show again, like the fourth year in a row? And I know there are people, people who still are like, you know, I haven't seen it and I want to go and see it, but I'm just – Feeling like I need to move this conversation along because I know it has moved along, and and I and I really want to speak to that. And um, yeah, so I've just been really brainstorming, particularly this week. And I got up this morning at about six thirty and just had this, you know, just <laughs> yeah. writing on my iPhone with the with the screen turned down, tapping because yeah. it's way too mate, and you've got to get all the stuff done. That's right. Hello. That's right. And you've got to you've and I think you know when you, you know, so you're talking about week two after you've had the period and I feel like I'm really good at having a period. I'm really good at self-care. I'm really good at, um, you know, eating nicely and, you know, just sort of resting and having long baths and screening my calls for people that I just know I can't deal with at that moment. And just scaffolding a bit of rubber room around the life that has to happen Mm. so that I can do it with a bit more ease and flow but then you know when I come into that week too you know the time to do that sort of week of power where I always imagine you know like a little bird who's getting ready to lay the egg essentially yeah and you know she doesn't have time to be you know hanging out with her friends and gossiping it's like I'm looking for the perfect twig I need to get my <laughs> nest right just get out of my way I've got shit to do and you know yeah, yeah. and that that is a real drive and and You know, what makes me most sad and furious about the way menstruation is treated is that that whole rhetoric of it's just my hormones, it's just my hormones, minimise, minimise, it's not a real feeling, I'm not qualified, the imposter syndrome, all of that shit is so wrapped up in that disconnect Mm. between what, and I'm, you know, patting my belly here, that disconnect between who we are and how we feel and then how we are in the world, mm. and obviously, you know, when you're premenstrual in the fourth week, there's, there's, we all know what that feels like—that fizzy kind of,
0: yeah, because you're so close to the surface. That's everything right. Everything is like itchy almost. Yes, you feel everything so intently which is also I, I guess I want to talk and, and ask you to kind of talk us through each week actually Yeah. because yeah. I think it's such an important um, tool and so much information that people don't, still don't have. Mm. And I often talk to my friends about it or women and I see their faces go, what, mm. what? Mm. And then they ask me questions and suddenly they, this whole part of their brain starts to open up and they start to go, oh, I'm not crazy. <sighs> You know, that whole, and, it, and it only starts there and then there's so much more because I think as women we're living, as you said, in this linear culture and I had a thought after I watched your show and I just sat in my car and cried mm. <laughs> and because it's such a funny, light-hearted, beautiful show. Like it's brilliant but I watched it and I went by myself because I couldn't get anyone to come with me and afterwards I just sat in the car and I thought, oh, my God, We are the seasons. Mm. We. It's gonna sound so like. We are the seasons. seasons.
2: (laughs) We're the world. Like. But, yeah, but we fucking are. That is I the mean. truth. Like yeah.
0: internally, our bodies are functioning in the same way mm. that the world is. Mm-hmm. We are The world is not linear. Mm. The world is not one way all the time fitting into a tiny rectangular box and always the same. Mm. We're not. We're, mm. It's seasonal. Mm. Everything changes and it's cyclical so mm. we can create life and life continues and all the mm-hmm. energy goes through. And if we lived like that... God how much better would the world be we wouldn't be in the climb crap like i could fall down a rabbit hole but that's what i felt It's not that much of show. a rabbit
2: hole what, what we do to women we do to the earth Yes Yeah, yeah. and and yes. that whole yes. you know exploitation and just it is exploitation it's 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 you know this continual taking with no respect or reverence for mm. the time to restore Mm. And, you know, you think the world actually needs to have a good period, you know, to just yeah. put a hot water bottle on and some chamomile tea and turn the, everything down and to just actually rest.
0: Yeah, completely. And be mm. cherished mm. And, and have that reverence. So, mm. and I know you must talk about it all the time, but for people who. Don't know what we're talking about Mm. at all. Yeah, should we do a 101? Let's let's do a 101. What do you mean? Okay. What is your show about?
2: All right. So basically it's based on this idea that, you know, contrary to what we learn in school where we're just told that, you know, you have a period now, you are a woman, you can make a baby, and here's how you manage it. Mm. End of story. Good luck. Have a nice life. And so that is – such a small part of what is actually going on it's so reductive it treats the whole process as though it's just a hygiene management situation Mm. that needs to be you know dealt with discreetly because heaven forbid that (laughs) someone may know you're actually menstruating or you know
0: immediately all this shame and secrecy
2: and yeah that's right stuff around it that's right and and that gets embodied Mm. at some level in all of us and, you know, it also is reductive because it means that we only think about the menstrual cycle in terms of fertility and your ability to make a baby or not make a baby. And it's so much more than that. And, you know, because as we've said, we live in this world that really rewards and values linear consistency. Any deviation from that is very, it's uh, its very—it's—it's—it's sort of treated with Mm, you know, yeah, suspicion, suspicion, or-, or alarm, or you know, at worst, it's 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 really kind of demonized, and y- you know, all of those words back in history of women being mm. hysterical and yeah, he's
0: that that word comes from the word hysterectomy, right? Mm. Where women were hysterical, so they just removed their
2: uterus mm. or whatever. It's right, and and it, I mean that goes back to you know ancient Latin, you know that whole idea of, of women being yeah just sort of unreliable, and you know you I mean. God, Chaos. into a hideous you could get so wormhole. Of, I mean, Freud has a lot to answer for, but let's just not even go there. It's just too <laughs> depressing and, you know, I'll, I'll crush my cup in my hand.
0: I... <laughs> and and that's the danger, isn't it? Because then you start to become this shrieky, raged field kind of, and it's a
2: person that is not. Do you know what? I'm going to go you know? there. I just feel like I'm, I can't as an educator and as a performer and someone who has explored this for so long, I can't keep preaching the goodness and light without just actually saying hang on a second there is an absolute butt ton of stuff underneath this that if we don't look at I don't know that we are going to get to the peace and light do you know what I mean yeah yeah we need to kind of it's that thing of needing to look back and you know to be able to move forward to where you want to go but like you say you know you can sort of get stuck in that and you've asked me to get to the Synopsis of the cycle. And I'm yeah. still raging. I <laughs> know.
0: I should have waited for the rage right question. <sighs> to subside. Sweet too. I bloody rushed too far. No,
2: already. no, I'm I'm in it. I'm literally just really exploring that at the moment because it's got a place. And um anyway, I can feel myself just starting to go on the rant again. So I'll just,
0: yeah, just take a it, take breath. a
2: breath. There is and
0: I guess this is the problem, right? That because it's so personal mm. uh, and also that whole idea of like I grew up with an idea that feminism and feminists were a bit like out there and a bit too much and a bit mm. over the top mm. and, you know, and I still face, you still face mm. that even now that mm. feminists are mm. women that obviously don't care about their appearance or blah, 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 all this extra angry. lays angry, Man-hate. intense. Yeah, exactly, which is yeah. so far from what I am, what you are, what mm. most women are. Mm. It's not about man-hating at all we're just different creatures in and also
2: you know, and, you know i mean obviously it's fundamentally based on women having equal rights yeah. in all, in all spheres of their life and and mm. freedom from any kind of fear and you know being able to to live a fully lived expressed life mm. but also it means that men are not bound by the constraints of what it means to be a man and that they yeah. and 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 you know getting back to what we were alluding to before about the whole earth being complete catastrophe it's because we've all been you know molded into this hyper masculine way of being Mm. that is actually pretty shit for men as well and you know if if men you know and and it's like what you said before about words sort of losing their power and becoming cheesy but if men are able to get in touch with their feminine side you know we're we're going to just be so much more balanced and they mm-hmm. want that they need that to talk about their feelings and be connected and
0: mm-hmm. you know
2: have deep emotional connections and relationships and you know to not be so just um scared of showing emotion Mm. or hyper aggressive because they feel like
0: they have to be Mm. um and I've seen that my husband and I co-parent our son from home we work from home together and it just it kind of happened that way I've always had my dad was really involved in the parenting too but because James and I both home full-time I suddenly see he is just if not better a parent than I am. He's so involved in our son's life but he's there for every moment so he sees how hard when it's hard, it's hard mm. when the beautiful stuff and and that means that we share everything. We share the housework, we share the mental load, like he books stuff, he organizes stuff, he understands when, you know, when you say the mental load to some men or people or women as well. And you have the
2: mental load of explaining the mental load.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly, because really the mental load is just that um, women particularly tend to carry all of the family admin and all the Mm -hmm. extra stuff as Mm -hmm. well as doing all the things they need to do. And the Um,
2: emotional sort of tending, you know, of just carrying. checking, checking Mm. everybody.
0: And I think because he's there, he sees all of that and then values it Mm. And, and it's meant that he is such a, a grounded person Mm. as well because Mm. he's like and he's got mates now who are having to go straight back to work Mm. and kind of being ripped away from their newborn and being like well now I'm spending an hour commuting into the city to work eight hours in this job that I don't really love Mm. and then an hour back home and I've missed seeing my wife and child and Mm. I'm missing these moments and Mm. having to fit into these boxes and um yeah. yeah. we could talk we could just go mm, down this whole mm. thing. It's it, it it is a societal thing. And I guess that's why I want to bring it back to just that quick 101 yeah. of the cycle cuz I yeah. think if you don't understand that, you don't understand what we're even going towards. Mm, Do you know what I mean? Mm.
1: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac burger, McNuggets or McCrispy sandwich. But you're the Filet-O-Fish sandwich all day.
0: So if you were going to talk about us as being seasonal, like women being seasonal, which is what your show's about, what are those seasons? What are Yeah, we so
2: it's it's based on the idea that, you know, when you have a menstrual cycle, it's not a dichotomous. You have a period, you don't have a period. And there are four phases. And like you say, they are just like the seasons and just like seasons they have their own strengths and benefits and, you know, we wouldn't begrudge winter for doing what it needs to do because it's winter and it's time to rest and You know, prepare for the upcoming season. And so basically we look at the cycle, you know, we say 28 days or 31 days or however many days your cycle is. It's all kind of in the realm of normal, if that's normal for you. And day one is the day that you start bleeding. And so your first phase is obviously menstruation. If you want to link that to the seasons, then you can call it winter. I call it time to dream. Yay. Because, you know hormonally everything's pretty well flatlined and it's that time to just pause it's the time to stop before you start and to really just you know return to center return to you know to what is um, the deepest part of yourself and you know it's like your body really just puts you down in a good way to just stop and smell the metaphorical roses as it were so you know time to really rest to nurture yourself a time to sort of you know you're getting ready to start again you're getting ready to start this whole month again and i love the idea that you um you every time you have a cycle you you basically get to reinvent yourself you basically get to say okay what is it that this month i really want to grow and give life to next so just that real deep dreaming and so time to dream time to bleed it's your winter you swear on your podcast? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, zero fucks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then as, you know, your period continues and you've done all that self-care and going slowly and doing what you need to do, your estrogen starts to creep up and then it's your spring or your time to do. And that's like I was saying before about the bird, Just, just get out of my way. I've got shit to do. Things are happening. We've got fucks for days. You, it's <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> There's the so many. They're all over the place. They're, they're all over the shop. Yeah. And so you really want to channel them because you know. Just getting back to the rage thing, I think for a lot of people, it's like if if you don't have um if you have a bit of sort of oh no that idea is a bit too big for me, that's um that's oh no that's that's a bit too fantastic yeah. I think that if you don't listen to whatever that thing is, you know, as in mm. just make the thing or do yeah. the whatever. Yeah, yeah, if you don't exactly. listen to that, then. That is like your most powerful superwoman self coming to you in all of her glory with, you know, backlit and big <laughs> hair and a silver platter and saying, Here, Claire, here is your quest. And you saying, Oh, no, no, not no. Really, not really. Not really. No. I can't, I can't put that on. It's, it doesn't, I wouldn't wear that. Yeah. And then, can you imagine how she would feel? That Athena warrior goddess who comes to you with its absolute quest and you've rejected that. And she's like, <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> and I reckon a lot of frustration because before before I sang, before I had a baby, I kind of knew I had something big in me, but I just didn't know what it was. And I was I struggled with that. And I and I and I did feel that frustration of like, and and it's almost like you know, imagine spring and then you don't plant anything Yeah, and then you come to summer and you're like, well, where's my fruit salad and where's my flower garden? Where's my party? And it's like, you actually feel a bit of a a morning because you haven't got to really celebrate the most powerful, amazing kick-ass parts of yourself. So yeah, spring time to do, fucks for days, getting ready to ovulate. That is the time to back yourself and it's probably the most masculine part of the cycle where you're really just building up to something big and fantastic and you need to lay the plans down, get the things happening, write the lists, tick the boxes, start Mm. exercising, just build your fire basically. Yeah. And so we're now at about, you know, day 14 if you were on a 28-day cycle. So people think that you ovulate at day 14 no matter how long your cycle is but it's a really important distinction to make that you ovulate about – Fourteen days before your period comes, which your mum would be you know mm. well aware of, yeah, so yeah. if you've got a thirty day cycle, you'll probably ovulate at day sixteen, which mm. is what I do, so that do phase with the fucks for days, getting ready to ovulate that's where the rubber room is in the cycle that's the longest phase that we have mm. once Thank estrogen- God. yeah, exactly right <laughs> yeah. once estrogen peaks. Uh, you also have a little shot of testosterone to really like just push that egg out into yeah. the world and then boom, that is like you're, you're into summer, you're into the most, you know, fantastic kind of expressive, emotionally generous, abundant time and you're still, you know, riding high from the superhuman strength of the do phase but you've you you just the edges have softened a little bit and you've got – I mean I find when I'm in the do phase like now – if Richard, my husband's sort of, you know, really comes to me for some emotional support and, you know, wants to talk about something, I'm looking at my car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Okay, great. How'd that make you feel? Okay. Mm. All right. I've got to, yep. Yeah. I'm just, I don't have it in me. I'm just like, I've got things to do. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, and I'm always like, I haven't
0: mowed the lawn yet. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, I've really, I, I've scheduled in three appointments, plus I'm also writing this thing and I've done this list and I've got to tick it all off. And if I don't tick it off and you get in my way, I mean, I know your emotions are important. And because that's part of my but thing on my park list, that, yeah. you know, For a couple of days, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Or I just treat it like like our relationship like it's one of the things on my list. Like, tell me how you're feeling. Yep. Yeah. All right. You're not feeling good. This is what I would do. Okay, we're done. That's Ten minutes. All right. Yeah. I gotta go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I know it's important, but I've got I'm, I'm stuff, mate. I've got to go put on my red sparkly sequin cape and come up with all these like crazy hair
2: rain ideas. Exactly. So yeah. you know, and then you ovulate, and it sort of softens a little bit, and then you know you. You, you've got more, I mean, I call that, you know, the um, the fuck yes phase because yes. you're just, you know, people were like, oh, do you want to do this project? Do you want to, you know, collaborate on and this and that? And, and there's just this world of possibility that everything kind of seems like it's all opening up mm. and, you know, you've provided I feel that you've really given your own secret special dream a good run, then you've got more in the tank to give to others, mm. you know, But I've found, yeah, if I don't really honour that thing that I'm trying to do for myself that's my kind of, you know, path, then I don't feel as generous in in week three at ovulation because I'm sort of still trying to make up for that other thing, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, summer, fuck yes, expressive, ovulation, um, and that is sort of, I guess, where people feel they have to be all the time and so I think our summer fuck yes, you know goddess maiden gets pretty exhausted because mm. that is where we just feel like we have to be all the time, everything to everybody, constantly pumping out muffins and children and <laughs> ideas and emotional availability, and you know it's bullshit, it's like, yes, that is a part of us, and it's a really important part of us. She's got a time and place too and and um and you know the the problem lies because. For people who don't have sort of, um, I know this is a excruciatingly long-winded version of the uh, of the synopsis, <laughs> but for people who um, maybe aren't as in tune with their cycle, they know they're having a period, then they know things pick up and then it's kind of like, oh, yeah, this is the real me. and now, yeah. And now look at me go. And this sense of fullness and expansion and just like I am just amazing, you know, really kind of kicks off and... And then after you know the ovulation hormones start to sort of wear off because we've got progesterone, we've got estrogen. estrogen. Yeah, it's just it's all on. It's an absolute party, and then once it starts to come down, you know, and we're moving into being premenstrual, that's when it can feel like the rug just gets completely pulled out from underneath you, and it can be quite devastating because you just think, oh my god, but. But last week I was nailing it and I was getting on with Karen, you know, and I was, I was on top of everything and, and now I just, what's going on? I'm, you know, and I must be crazy and I'm overreacting and it's just my hormones and rah, 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 rah. And the gift that comes with being premenstrual is, um, is really just overlooked. And, you know, if you think about the season analogy, that's autumn where, you know, you're you're enjoying the last of the warmth. You're, you're noticing the beautiful, vivid, red and orange, yellow leaves falling to the ground, about to, you know, die. <laughs> you're gathering the last of the nuts and the fruit, you know, for the for the cold times ahead and you're really taking stock. And Christiane Northrup, who wrote Woman's Bodies, Woman's Wisdom, you know, she talks about the veil being lifted mm. when you're premenstrual and it's where you really... Your rose-tinted glasses that you had on, you know, around ovulation, they are just out the window and now it's like you almost had poo-tinted glasses on because you're just like, that's not good enough. Well, that's wrong and, that, and I'm sick of that and I'm sick of that. And the thing is if you don't sort of treat that in context then it can be really overwhelming and if you kind of, you know, I call it, you know, these truth bombs. If you kind of just throw those around willy-nilly then, yeah, people, people are going to lose an eye, you know. But there is real truth in the truth bombs and if you write them down and learn to trust them and then I call it running it through the dream filter, you then you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know. I mean sometimes you have to and sometimes that's okay and sometimes I think, you know, when you're premenstrual if something happens to you, then that is a really good time to stick up for yourself and to really tap into that protector, Mm. you know, who says, actually, hang on a minute, Claire will not be putting up with this crap today, not today. <laughs> and it can be a really empowering thing to get in touch with that, that part of yourself mm-hmm. at that moment when you need it. But if it's just sort of general annoyance at just life that builds up over the course of the month, then, then yeah, write all that stuff down and then reflect over it during your period And that's when you get the real gold because that's when you're in the dream phase and now we've done a whole loop, you see. Yeah. And so you run all of that through your dream filter and it's like, okay, do I need to have a talk with Karen? You know, like (laughs) is there something really going on here or did I maybe just not get enough exercise that week or did I just take on a bit too much crap? And, you know, there's a really beautiful idea that when you're premenstrual, you're actually getting the bill I wish I could remember who said this. It might have been in The Optimised Woman or it might have been in Wild Power. When you're premenstrual, you're getting the check. You're getting the bill for the month that you've had. So, okay, Claire, I see that you've had uh, four late nights. You've had three hangovers. You put up with that toxic person. You went to McDonald's six times. Uh, you didn't listen to yourself when really you had, you know, some powerful intuition here, here and here, that's going to cost you this. And then that's how you feel when you're Mm premenstrual and it all kind of literally comes out in the wash and you have to kind of look at that right up close and just sort of work your way through it, ready to start again. And that is, you know, the cycle. And it's it's this pretty amazing thing to just, you know, tap into, you know, to, to really look at all the parts of yourself and to, mm. to meet them every month to kind of go a little deeper and get to know them all and give them a chance, you know, like Liz Gilbert says, to run off the chain and get a good exercise. Yeah. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yeah, maybe. I know
0: what you mean, to like exercise your brain out there. and I think you, you touched on something then which I think is really true, that you have to – look after yourself and your, and to do that, you need to exercise and eat well and all of those mm. things because otherwise things become impossible and yeah. untenable mm. in the house that your brain lives in. Mm. Do you ever get exhausted by the fact that we do this every month or do you love it?
2: Yeah, I really love it. I really look to it as a bit of, um, you know, a linchpin. It's like, you know, and I, I use it to, to diarize, you know, and so I sort of know what's coming. You know, and I'll, I know that if it's in my, my week one dream period phase, then I won't book seven things, you know, in one day. I'll just, you know, and I'll make sure that I have time to meditate or have a nap or a long bath, you know, or I put my phone on airplane mode or I'll do different things. So I feel like um, it's just such a uh, a perfect way to be reminded of self-care really you know and it's like in week 2 when we're at where yeah. we're at now i know that if i if i kind of fizzle through that energy without getting something down on paper or getting something happening concrete that that you can burn yourself out actually you can if you you know if you if you sort of don't tend that fire well then you can it can you know you can you can get burnt you really can and so i think like it or lump it really you we've we've been born with this it's the way we are understanding yourself
0: more because that's why we're here at the end of the day right to try try and understand ourselves Mm. and and if we can be connected into who we are then the gifts that we can give to other people are so much richer and fuller and you can put that red sequin cape on in your week two and be out there and live that impossible thing that you Mm, want mm. to do
2: and then know that there's a time to put it down Down. and and that it will come again you know and and i think like what we were talking about off mic before about you know fertility and and this idea that you know we aren't finite sources of infinite power that that I've just contradicted myself haven't I? We yeah. are finite, you know. Yes, exactly. And and that every month you get you get a little a little taste of these four different parts of yourself and you know, ultimately that that will come to an end, you know. We won't have that reminder, that cycle of of how to be connected to ourselves and there's a beautiful Native American Indian quote that says, you know, at her first bleeding a woman meets her power in her bleeding years she practices her power, and then at menopause, she becomes it. Wow. That's so huge. Isn't it? And so the idea is that, you know, from 12 or whatever it is until you stop menstruating, every month you get to find out more about your dreamy, soft, gentle self. You get to find out more about your powerful, kick-ass, passionate, driven, hardcore self. You get to find out more about your sweet you know, sensual, expressive, playful, celebratory, joyful self. You get to find out more about your, you know, your, your darkest, deepest, you know. Angsty. Angsty, yeah. passionate, driven, you know. PMS self. PMS self. And then by the time, you know, you've done all of these revolutions of yourself, all of these cycles, you get to 50 or 55 or whatever it is, and your body says, okay, you got that? cuz now you don't need that to remind you you have become that and now you don't you know you're unencumbered from the reproductive responsibility of being you know potentially fertile and then you go into the next part of your life you know the crone years or the wise woman and you've got all that in you you know and mm. and and then that's yeah
0: yeah, that's life. That's life, you know, mate. We, we've solved it. Yeah. It. Let's turn the mic off. Get we're in the, done. Get in the box. It's a wonderful way of thinking about it because I do think we live in a culture that sometimes thinks about aging as a terrible thing mm. and we're trying as best we can as women. There's all this messaging out there that, you know, don't age, don't look your age. Be don't six speak. forever. Yeah, exactly, and speak like you're – like a younger person and be mm. kind of insecure about yourself and seeing women as they age and if women are quite confident and out there as they age too, they can be then talked about quite negatively mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. How do
2: you feel about ageing? Mm. Yeah, I'm 39 next week mm. and I, um, I really feel so sad f- that menopause has been so shit-canned for so long, and um, I guess part of the reason why I'm doing this is because I I just don't want that. I'm just not having it. I just don't. I reject that it's all shit. You know, when you get older, and there are so many great role models and so many amazing women who are completely disproving that. Mm. Like, and
0: like who? who well,
2: who? I mean, Christiane Northrop for one. She's written some amazing stuff around menopause. Um, Lara Bryden, who wrote. The Period Repair Manual is writing a book about perimenopause. Alexander Pope and Shani hugo Wurlitzer, who wrote Wild Power, are writing a book about menopause currently. And there's just so much going on around creating a different narrative and a different story. And, you know, something that I really love is um, that story around the orca whales. And so they are one of the only other creatures that, experience menopause. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. And still have quite a long life after their fertile years. And so there's what's called the grandmother effect because without the grandmother orcas, the young males in particular really suffer. So the grandmothers are the ones who say well come down this channel and this is where the water is better and this is where the food is and don't go there there's the baddies and here it's nice and warm and they have they have um what's called they are the repository of the ecological wisdom and it is in their advantage you know as a as a species to be passing on that ecological wisdom as opposed to just continually pumping out you know kids kids that's right and so this idea that actually you know that is that is their value is is their wisdom and and they stay alive for so much longer not to keep having babies but to, to pass on that wisdom without which the young males in particular they die earlier they actually die earlier and you know there is yeah such a beautiful synergy with that with with women I think that you know, we we really need our elders now more than ever. We need our elders. We need to be minded. We need to be shown the way, really. And so, I I really am looking forward to that journey and to yeah, taking my place as an older woman. And you know, one day, mm. I mean, older woman. What does that even mean? I don't know.
0: <laughs> Women that woman that has lived many more years. Yes. Yeah,
2: but that, I guess that
0: that it's such an. Refreshing thing to hear because I think often with all of the social media stuff we can get really caught up in the idea of having to stay eternally young. Well, and it's
2: being stuck in one place, which is so contrary to you know life. Yes, and
0: and the planet, and that's right. All of that. And it's like
2: what I was saying with you know when you don't really use your your spring phase, your do phase, your preovulatory phase you know, then when you come to summer, you you know, because it, it's cyclical, right? It, and so, and something that um, they talk about in Wild Power a lot is if you're having a sort of issue with one part of your cycle, look to the phase before that for the answer in fixing that part. So if you're getting to your do phase and you're like, actually, I, I have stuff all energy. I don't feel like conquering the world. I feel exhausted. I feel spent. I feel unmotivated. I feel flat it's like well okay go back to your to your dream phase to winter Mm. how did you love yourself when you had your period did you stop and have a rest did you get to bed a little bit earlier did you spend too much of yourself on something that actually was emotionally energetically expensive that you couldn't really afford you know did you rock up to spring with nothing you know yeah and so this idea of needing to be eternally you know 15 and youthful and without wrinkles or any evidence of having smiled once in your life (laughs) is so indicative of this arrested development in that girl phase and I think you know I hope that in in living as fully as I can in in the phase that I am in when I am in it that when I get to 50 I will say good I want to be 50 I want to stop doing those things and spending energy in that way. I'm ready to spend it in this way because I've done that and I have fully been in that moment in that time doing what I was meant to be doing. And and I think that for so long, you know, we've been denied our place in society, we've been denied positions of power, we've been denied autonomy and and the responsibility that we naturally are meant to have and execute, you know, over over our domains and environments and, and the world and and the care you know that we've been Im- imbued with with having we haven't been able to do so we're kind of stuck in this infantile sort of yeah girl phase that we're meant to just be in forever we never get to fully develop and step into that to that to that feminine power and role and and mm. to me there's there's a link between. That sort of neutering of our power, and then having to stay as though we're 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 Eternally twelve young. forever, yeah, you know, yeah,
0: absolutely, absolutely, because because I do I think that until we can have equal amounts of men and women in positions of power to make decisions for our planet and our country and our society, because I I grew up often feeling like I didn't fit, mm. like the way that I was was too loud or too spiky or mm. too I don't know, emotional, which you hear a lot, Mm. which isn't just about being like too loud or crying all the time or something. It's Mm. about really having this deep-seated feeling like my whole being is not fitting in with the way that other people or the culture is expecting me to be Mm. but yet feeling like when you're in the environment or in the natural world that you feel like you belong there Mm. but then there's this huge disconnect between the way that we live Culturally, in society, in the, in our modern way of living, and then the way that we feel when we're with the earth and and the seasons, and I I just for a long long time I was trying to figure out why it is that I would feel that kind of itchy all the time or annoyed or and too much or strange. And I think it is really that, that, and not that men can't feel that too, but I think women are so deeply connected into the way that the world moves and is and that if we are living disconnected from that mm. and so you mm. can't help but feel kind of too much or too big or the things that you say are too you're soft. Because literally a something. square
2: peg in a round hole. Literally. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you can kind of see the way we could be and the powers that be at the moment, you know, most of them, The wealth in the world is owned by men. Mm. The way that our whole power structures are set up are run by men that don't see the value of living more holistically. Mm. And I feel like it's changing but, Mm. I, yeah, I I don't know if if it will be fast enough. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah,
2: absolutely. I mean even this idea that, you know, um, some countries are sort of playing with the idea that mm, maybe working, you know, five days a week, 10 hours a day actually isn't that productive and perhaps we do work a four-day week and have a three-day weekend and maybe that is not only makes you feel better but actually more productive. Yes. Actually more productive. Yes. That we're all sort of playing this role of being super busy and super productive and super efficient and just go, 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 go. And actually we're just running around like headless chicken, you know. Yeah,
0: just all emailing each other back all the time with like more emails saying how busy we are for like for what. Mm. And And that's how I feel, I mean, running the company that we do, I get so much done some days, particularly in my week two, Mm. and then other days not so much Mm. done. And I've discovered that I still am running in a job and getting paid and creating a business and doing all the things I need to do, but understanding my cycle and the way that I work means that I am more efficient and I don't think I'm – people always think, oh, you work really hard because you work for yourself. Well, yes, I do, but I don't think I can get done in two hours what I need to get done and then mm.
2: have the day to do mm. other things. Mm. Swing while you're winning.
0: Yeah. yeah. and then But then I look at friends who work for like eight hours a day and they're like, oh, yeah, but we had a long lunch here and then I sat and read some emails and I looked at Facebook and then mm. I talked to Jared by the water cooler and I did this and I did. You know, and how much of that day is Travel time Mm. and BS stuff. So, Mm, mm, anyway, we could mm. talk about this for so long. Oh, my God. A couple of other things I wanted to ask you before we finish. One was obviously the rain here is so beautiful. I heard the rain coming on. so lovely. This is a bit of a personal question. Mm. I had a miscarriage Mm. maybe two years ago now Mm. and was completely shocked and floored Mm. by what the experience was like. For you, I know you said you have you've had two miscarriages. Mm-hmm. What has it taught you about yourself and your body? and:
2: Yeah, so they were both relative, like you know six weeks and five weeks, so really early, which you know a lot of people will say and sort of minimize. But it's obviously, you know, it's it's an experience. I mean, it's it's part of the cycle. It really, really is. And and I was really surprised to have the first one, you know, devastated really because I wanted to get pregnant, and and it was the first time that I guess um, I just didn't know what was going on. It was a completely foreign experience it was really painful i mean the doctor had said yes you're having a miscarriage go home um you know it might you might have a bit of pain but it was full on it was like you know like labour contractions and yeah just the grief was just insurmountable you know at the time and um and then what no one tells you is that you just keep on bleeding right so you know, after sort of three days, I thought, okay, well, I mean, it just was, you know, so tiny and it wasn't meant to be. And maybe there was some anomaly and it's better this way. And you tell yourself all of the things. And I mentally was sort of like, okay, all right, hurry up, hurry up, ready to move on and start trying and get over it and whatever. And, and then you keep bleeding and then you keep bleeding and (laughs) then you keep bleeding. And, and then I had, oh, this, I think it was called a hemorrhagic cyst on my ovary. And it was just like, just one thing after the other. And I think I was bleeding for about 42 days or something. But I remember thinking, you know, this is so common though, you know, one in four pregnancies. Is it one in four pregnancies mm. or one in four women? One in four. Is the pre- same thing? Oh, I
0: don't know. One, I know it's one. I think it's one in four pregnancies. Yeah. yeah. And
2: so it actually made me feel this deep connection and love for all of the other women who have have. Who have this and have had this and will have this, and and that it's just another part of what we do, really, and and how our bodies are, and that there was a real wisdom in 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 um, just surrendering, you know, to what had to happen, and um, yeah, it, and you know, I don't have particularly painful periods, and it was a real reminder for just I thought like far out, this must be what it's like for some endometriosis sufferers Mm. who are just like Lucy will you shut the fuck up with your period power because it actually is awful and sucks and this is what we deal with every month it just made me it made me just feel I don't know I guess tenderized is probably not a very nice choice of words but it did (laughs) it made me really just feel yeah so much for just the female experience you know and, and what that means. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's a thing
0: that until it happens to you, you think is not. You don't really think about. or think Yeah, is, is
2: common. Yeah, and I just sort of yeah. thought, oh, that won't happen to me because you know my mum's had six kids, and I'm sure I'll be super fertile, and that's it. Will just be a dream run, and you know, so it was a real yeah. shock. And then when I had another one, I was like, oh, bummer but i can but it wasn't as bad as the first one cuz i sort of knew what to expect i knew that i was what i was going to feel physically and i cleared the decks and you know got hot water bottles and just really made a little nest for myself in my bed and you know got some good people around me and just and then just yeah went through the motions you know yeah, I guess. Felt the feelings.
0: Yes, it's that whole thing, isn't it, about having gone through something there's so much that you gain yeah. in perspective and understanding so yeah. then when you do it again. I'm, I'm thinking about having like kids as well, like the first time you go through labour as mm. opposed to maybe the fourth time you go through mm. labour and, mm. and what you learn. I was really surprised about it too that it was like labour pains, Yeah, yeah. Which obviously makes sense but yeah. it just, yeah, it was such a visceral experience and we just don't talk about it no in in that way sometimes we say well it happens to one in four and we don't tell anyone for 12 weeks because it might happen but well and even that it's
2: bullshit because it's like you know you're feeling sick you can't tell anybody because you know what if you don't you know it doesn't continue and then you know if you do have a miscarriage you know you've got to go and get scans and you've got to do all of these things and you've got to take time out and make excuses to work and it's this whole life that that you then deny as well you know and it's like Mm. for people that are even saying trying to get pregnant it kind of rankles me because I imagine this sort of sweating like
0: (laughs) it's like (laughs) it's time it's not very sexy
2: but even that it's like just you know that time between ovulation and then your period coming where you're like well am I pregnant am I premenstrual that you know, where you're just in that space of kind of waiting and not mm-hmm. knowing, and yeah, how many women who are sort of between you know 25 to 45 are in that holding pen that can't say anything because they don't want to jinx it, and they yeah, do you know? It's yes, like,
0: yeah, and can't and feel like bad. they can't talk to people mm. about it, and yeah, exactly. Like I, we had told everybody and that I was pregnant because I'm just that sort of person. Mm. I feel like if I'm holding something and trying to be secretive, I feel like. Just can't like I can't talk to. I just yeah. not don't yeah. feel like myself. I have to get it out. Yeah, and but it, but when it happened to me, it meant that then because people knew, I could just tell them. Mm. And some people didn't obviously did maybe didn't want to know, but mm. then I told them anyway. Mm. And and in the end, it was this beautiful lot of support because people then yeah. understand and yep. see what you're going through, and yep. you don't feel like you're suffering away in silence. That's and there's right. a grief
2: that still comes. I, I'm, I still grieve. Yeah. I
0: think. I do yeah. you still carry
2: that? Totally. I mean, I had, yeah. you know, one of my best friends was pregnant at the same time and we were imagining going to school together oh. and, and, you know, I had my, my first child when I was 25 and no one was having kids back then. So, you know, I remember going to mother's group and just feeling like, oh, my God, who are these people? Like I didn't really find a group yeah. of women. So I, I have this sort of fantasy that this time, you know, I'll have the village and... <laughs> We'll be doing batch cooking and, you know, complaining yeah. about our cracked nipples together and rah, rah, rah. <laughs> and now her little boy, you know, he's six months old. I'm going to celebrate his six-month birthday on Monday and give him his first lamb chop, you know. And yeah. it's <laughs> like it's this bittersweet thing, you know, that yeah. oh, I would have had a little, you little know, person. little person. Yeah. But it's I think that is, you know, getting back to the cycle. Every month we, we let go, you know you you let go you build up life again you let go you build up life again we constantly it's like the moon you you constantly in this, in this state of you know um expanding and then contracting and 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 we just have to get good at that because that's that's our life's work really is to just be somewhere in that cycle and you know just go with the ebb and flow and and i guess yeah that's part of 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 learning to let go you know because we've had all that practice so so yeah when you I I feel like I was able to use that to to help me to help me through that and you know even in trying to get pregnant now I met a woman well she wrote to me after coming to the show a couple of years ago and she said that she'd been trying to get pregnant and doing IVF and going through the whole thing and just really really wanted to get pregnant and it'd been a long long time and and she said You know, every time I got my period, I was angry, I was sad, I would cry. I felt so devastated and let down by my body and I hated it and I felt just betrayed. But she said, but now I've got this other way of looking at it.
0: Oh, wow.
2: And I can see that even if I'm not making a baby that month, I'm capable of creating all kinds of life. And I remember she told me that and I'd had a, I felt a particularly crap show that night. (laughs) But I just, it was really, it really hit me, the enormity of what she'd experienced and and how powerful that was. And then when I had a miscarriage, I really understood that. And, mm. and now even I'm still trying to get pregnant and I get my period and, and it's like, oh, well, but there's my friend. There's my little, that's my, that's my friend, you know, coming yeah. to just visit me again and time you get out the hot water bottles yeah. and you know <laughs> put my feet up and do some dreaming and here I go again. Yeah, because you've mm. done it. And, so I've done it.
0: Yeah, you've learned. Got a lot. the practice. Yeah. Well, thank you for your wisdom. Mm. Thank you for letting me into your nest. Strikes me as like a nest rough up, upstairs.
2: What would you call? It? It's like a mezzanine. I guess it's a little loft. Yeah, it's like if you were really tall. You ha- I mean, when I'm premenstrual, that's how I know I'm premenstrual because I bang my head on these <laughs> on these beams, and I'm like, <laughs> fuck. Damn it! <laughs> like, okay, yeah. I'm premenstrual. Just, just, yeah, just be a bit more aware of my body and where my head is. But yeah, yeah. it's it's a little, a little, a little nest up yeah, here. I love mm. it. So,
0: other than being in your nest, where can we find you if you, mm. if people want to read or listen or hear? Yeah.
2: More, more well, from I you? have a website called mygreatestperiodever.com dot com, and that's where I put sort of information about shows and things. I'm quite active on Instagram where I have my menstrually inspired little diary happening so that's Lucy's Peaches um, and Facebook Lucy Peach is where I put my music things mm. which we haven't even asked you out because I oh. love your music oh thank you but, um,
0: yeah it's it's gorgeous
1: coming home from a heroine's quest made me new again Played the game. Now I long to risk, slay those dragons dead, and I still in the shadows and picked rubies from the rubble. I will never be the same again.
0: Yeah, so I would definitely recommend whoever is listening to this to definitely check out your music as well. Is that all part of you? what you do and you create?
2: Music, yeah, I, I feel – and and those songs that are in the show, I wrote after journaling about my cycle for a couple of years and so it's all kind of pretty well linked. But I guess, um, you know, I've been writing a book which is coming out in June 2020. Oh, yay! Yeah, with Murdoch Books, which is part of Alan and Unwin currently called period queen i like it you like it yeah cool Definitely, yeah and so yeah i've been definitely more focused on writing and not writing songs um but i've just started again actually i've i've got this group it's called i heart songwriting which i think you'd really enjoy francesca the the woman who started that and basically it's this idea that you know Songwriters can get songstipated, songstipated, as um, <laughs> Mama Kin Danielle says, and you've just got to you just got to do it, right? Mm. And so there's this ten week thing, I Heart Songwriting, where you get given a topic, you get one hour, and you just have to write a song every week. And some of them are crap, but who cares? You just you just kind of flexing that muscle again. So I'm doing that again, which is really exciting because I've I've missed.
0: Miswriting writing songs. And getting out of the grief of it. Yeah. Because yeah. it's the doing, isn't it, that then creates yeah. the thing. Yeah. <laughs> Which sounds so simple, but is sometimes really hard when your songs are painted. Exactly, exactly. And I yeah. think
2: sometimes too you need to have a few different things that you're not necessarily multitasking but you kind of have, you know, like you have different spaces to kind of create different things and sometimes, you know, when you go and draw a picture that actually then trips something in your brain that frees you up to then go and write the article or do you know what i mean yes. like you kind yeah. of have to yes. service different parts of your creative yeah. labrador so that the other parts can be set free yes yeah. is that no it makes perfect sense it's that yeah. whole idea
0: of baking a cake or doing mm. gardening mm. and when you're not if you sometimes if you just sit and stare at the thing that you have to make it, you just crush it, yeah. whereas if you're, your brain's free while you're making something with your hands, yeah, things kind of happen. That's I right. I think there's like a sort of spider sitting in the back of my subconscious that's like making things. And yeah, if I, and just collecting. Yeah, it's like a bowel birth, That's right. Collecting yeah. things, but if you force it, yeah. you can get stuck.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, even I in that. brainstorming for this show, I've been kind of like, oh, equal parts terrified and just excited, but like, oh, God, where do I start and how do I – And then my friend said to me, um, look, there's this deceased estates sale uh, and the guy used to be a costume maker. There's this whole warehouse of old costumes and his partner is, you know, selling these things bit by bit because he's just, you know, drowning in tutus and costumes. Do you want to come? And I was sort of like, yes, and just feeling like I was getting heart palpitations on the way there. And then, you know, we spent three hours in this warehouse trying on like headpieces with you know feathers and it was mental and 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 it really did trick something in my brain to kind of free me up to then get excited about other things you know so I think just playing as well is really important in terms of being able to be creative isn't it playing Mm. just for the sake of it yeah just to get unstuck Mm. have fun Mm. with it Mm. all so have fun
0: play and track your cycle Yeah, excellent. Three amazing pieces of advice. And
2: if you're a bloke,
0: support your woman to do that. Exactly. just just know that you can be emotional too.
2: Exactly. Right? Yeah. And yeah, ride the wave. I mean, when we did the TED Talk in Perth, this enormous guy came like bounding up to me after the TED Talk, like really like with fire in his eyes. And I was just sort of like, oh God, what's going to happen here? And he said, I loved that. And I have three teenage daughters and my wife and, and, and I know when they have their period, when it's my turn to make the dinner and I know when to ask them for help and I know when to, you know, give them help and I know when to get out of the way and I love it when they have their period because I get to eat ice cream and watch movies too and I live this shit and I just, this makes so much sense to me. And it just was so beautiful because, you know, like, yeah, we we're, we're all cyclical and, you know, yeah, in a rhythm, and 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 I think that yeah, most men obviously know women and have women in their lives and can feel that ebb and flow and yeah, they're pretty empathic and and able to to tune in and 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 enjoy the benefits as well. Yeah, you know?
0: right. It makes life more exciting. Mm. Yeah, it's awesome.
2: Okay, thank you
0: so much. Thank you so I much, Matt. What a great. T- thank you so much. I've learnt so much. Amazing. And I wanna
1: rest my body down and lose this universe. I'm gonna rest even if it hurts. And bleed into her in the cave you fear to enter. If you seek, you'll find treasure. I will never be the same again
0: To a podcast called Just Make The Thing with me, Claire Twenty, and this week with Lucy Peach. Gosh, what a joy this woman is to talk to. I could have talked to her all day. Um, I always wanted to ask her to just be my friend at the end of it because she's spectacular in her thoughts and and in her actions and what she brings to the world. Her music is also brilliant. We didn't talk much about that in this episode, but her music is wonderful and I love listening to her. So go over and find her on Spotify, Lucy Peach. And if you can, go and see her live. Go see My Greatest Period Ever or go and watch her perform. She's often performing at festivals all over the country. All right, for more shows just like this one, you can scroll back through the feed. I have interviews with the wonderful singer Claire Bowditch with comedian Will Anderson, with the writers of Rosehaven, Silly Bacola and Luke McGregor, with Chanel Lutev, my wonderful pal, where we talk about being a woman and life and creativity and, and all the things in between. One of my favorite episodes is also where I talk to my husband, James, about how he makes stuff. We also have a new podcast called Suggestible that is out at the moment which is really just a way for us to talk to each other about all the things we're reading, watching and listening to. So if you want a recommendation for some stuff to read, watch and listen to or eat, go and check that one out as well. You can also head to planetbroadcasting.com where we have lots more Australian podcasts created by people just like me. And if you want to contact the show, follow me at Claire 20 on Instagram or at Just Make The Thing on instagram and you can also go to just make the thing pod at gmail.com all right thank you as always to the incredible sir robert Collins who has edited this show and i'll talk to you soon bye